Good morning. It's good to have each of you with us. And yes, it's a cold, cold morning. I left Lanesville this morning and my car said 10. I kind of hit it. Are you still working? It's cold. It's cold. But driving down here, I was thinking back to the olden days. Long, long time ago, somebody would get down to the church house real early. There'd be what they call a big old pot belly stove. They used to put wood in it and later on they advanced to coal. And they just heat that thing up. And if you sat next to it, you sweated. And if you're far away from it, you froze. And a lot of times, those things caught on fire and burnt church buildings down. And I'm just thankful we can come here today, be together, and warm our hearts with the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, turn with us to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12. We'll be there in just a moment. Mark chapter 12. Unimportant, unknown, insignificant, and ignored. This person would not be the type of person that had a crowd around them gravitating and listening and hanging on to every word this person said, not this person. This would not be the person that would probably be first on your list when you're thinking about a wedding and who I wanted to invite, not this person. This was the type of person that few would even recognize, few cared about, few even thought anything about. Unimportant, unknown, insignificant, and ignored. But what we're going to look at this morning is the God of heaven noticed this person. And the God of heaven, through the Holy Spirit, gives four verses in the Gospel of Mark and four verses in the Gospel of Luke about this story. God wants us to know this story. And what we're going to see today is just a simple little story that has a great big heart. Our theme this year is doing the best, bringing the best we can, because God is the best. And it's easy for us to envision what the best means. I mean, that usually in our times, in our culture, we think about the heroes, the MVPs, the all-stars, the well-knowns, what they call the goats, the greatest of all time. It's David fighting Goliath. It's Joshua marching around Jericho. It's Moses parting the sea. It's Peter telling the city officials that he will not stop preaching Jesus. It's the beaten Apostle Paul, dragged out cities, thinking he was dead, gets up and goes right back into that city. Today we envision that gospel preacher crisscrossing the country, preaching every night of the week, just preaching his heart out for Jesus Christ. We think about the shepherd who does so much work through the week to help other people. We think about that person who gives thousands and thousands of dollars that allows the congregation to do so many great things. And here you sit this morning. And I'm not that preacher. And I'm not that shepherd. And I'm not the one who gave thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm not David. I'm not Joshua. I'm just an average member. You might think I am unimportant. I'm unknown. I'm insignificant. And I'm ignored. I'm a nobody. How in the world can I bring my best to the best, the God of heaven? And what we find in the Gospel of Mark are four verses. Four verses that I think help us to understand this lesson. Help us understand what it means to bring the best. And it's a story that would be so easy to forget. It's a story that really doesn't change the story of salvation. There are no miracles. There are no prophecies. It's just an observation. But what we see is simple, simple faith that God noticed, and it was so important. Mark 12 tells us that Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem for the last time. 
He has an appointment with the cross, and he'll die. Verse 35 of this chapter tells us that he's in the temple teaching. Our story, our four verses, come from Mark 12, begins verse 41. We often call this the widow with two mites. Let's read this simple story, and let's talk about this. It says, and he sat opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounts to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now Mark tells us three things about this person. Number one, he tells us that this person's a woman. Now again, in our culture, that doesn't mean much. In that culture, that was significant. It was significant because in that culture, women really didn't count very much. And if you think about how we see this in our Bible over and over, some different applications of this. When we go through the Old Testament and we read genealogies, most times it lists the father's name. Rarely is the mother's name listed. Do you remember that passage about honoring your parents? What's the order? Honor your father and mother. Remember the sections about marriage? A man shall leave his father and mother. We, use that. we talk today about mom and dad, but in that culture, it was man, then woman. But we need to see how significant women are in the story of Jesus. It was women who first went to the empty tomb. It was women who first told the apostles about the resurrected Jesus. It was women who financed Jesus to do what he was able to do. Now, women do not do things publicly in this congregation. And how easy it is for you to think, well, I'm just second class. My voice doesn't matter. I'm just a woman here. I'm just second class. The Bible never teaches that. And God forbid if we treat you that way. Because you are significant. And, and of all the stories, this story could, could be left out of the Bible and wouldn't change the story of the Bible at all. But God wants us to see this story about this woman, how important that is. The backbone of so many congregations today are strong, faithful, godly women. And we need to see the significance of that. Secondly, the Bible tells us that she was a widow and she was poor. Now again, in our culture, that's just a different story. We're talking about a time in which there was no life insurance. We're talking about a time when there is no social security. There's no government programs. There's no assistance. There's no 401s. There's no retirement plans. This is why in 1 Timothy 5, the Apostle Paul told young widows to marry. Why should young widows marry? Because you have nothing. James would say in James chapter 1, remember the widows and the orphans in their distress. You see, they were distressed because they had absolutely nothing. This woman did not have the hope that someday things are going to get better. They were not going to get better. She's poor. And she's a widow. And then the third thing Mark reveals or doesn't reveal, he doesn't tell us who this is. We would love to have her name. We'd put her name up on the plaque and say, man, let, let's remember her. We'd start a scholarship fund in her name. We need to remember this woman. But the Bible tells us nothing about her. Unimportant, unknown, insignificant, and ignored. And the Bible tells us that she put in two copper coins, verse 42. 
The King James Version uses the expression two mites. And this is where we get this concept of a widow's mite. This was the smallest of all the coins and the least in value. Barclay says this about the story. He says, between the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women, there was a gate beautiful. It may well be Jesus had gone to sit quietly there after the argument and detention of the court of the Gentiles. In the court of the women, there were 13 collecting boxes called the trumpets because they were shaped like trumpets. Each of them was for a special purpose, for instance, to buy corn for oil or sacrifices and the expenses of the temple. This coin which the woman had is called a lepton. It simply means literally a thin one. You've heard the expression, one thin dime. And it was the equivalent of one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. About 11 minutes worth of work. And when you look at the last verse of this chapter, once again, it reminds us that this is all she had. This is all she owned. You want to talk about counting net worth, you see how insignificant this woman simply was. And we see how poor she was as we think about the concept following this. You and I walking down a, a sidewalk see a penny, most of us would walk on by. Now, if there's a $20 bill there, we'll stop and pick that up. But a penny, a penny's not worth anything. And that's basically what this woman had. And as we think about how the story unfolds, we notice the contrast. The contrast, first of all, Jesus tells us the rich were putting in large sums out of their abundance, and the woman was putting in the penny all she had. And the reality of this picture is, here is a nobody giving nothing. And how easy it is to forget this. And how easy you think this is not important at all. And once again, how easy for us just to think, unknown, insignificant, ignored, unimportant, that's who she is. But the God of heaven saw something. And the God of heaven recorded this for us because there is a lesson there. And as we think about bringing the best, this is what I want us to see this morning. Number one, God's way of calculating is so different than ours. Again, when we look at verse 43, the Bible says that Jesus says, she has put in more than all the contributors. Now we may say, well, wait a minute, Jesus, get the calculator out. Let's, let's see if Mr. Mark back here, our treasurer, does all the calculating today of all the contribution. And he says, we have two bowls full of money, but this one penny somebody gave is more than all of that. We say, now, Jesus, your calculating isn't right. But what Jesus is seeing is God sees things beyond face value. In the book of 1 Samuel, as Samuel's called to go find the next king of Israel. He says, do not look at his parents or at the height of his statue because I have rejected him for God sees not as man sees. For God looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is why this woman, Jesus said, gave more than all the others combined because of what was in her heart. Jesus saw the significance of those things and how important that was with that. And so with this, what we see is what the widow gave really was unimpressive to the world. No one would run out of that temple and say, you won't believe what we got contributed today. And we might say that if somebody drops in $100,000 today. If you'd like to do that, we'd love that. That'd be awesome. 
But nobody would run out and say, somebody gave the smallest coin. That was awesome. No, nobody would say that. Secondly, what she gave really didn't make much difference in the temple. Now we can add on. Now we can afford this. Now we can, because we got a penny, look what we can do. No. In fact, she needed that money more than really the temple did. Because that's all she had to live on. Now, before we leave this, don't just be thinking about money and contribution. Go beyond that. Think about the giving from the heart. Some of the best singers, maybe those who never lead singing, maybe cannot tell you a thing about how our note structures are in our songbooks, who may not know what up and down means, what these little circle means in your songbooks, but they sing from the heart. They sing loud, passionately, and very much out of tune. But they have this heart. Some of the best lessons ever given in this building may not be from the preachers, but it may be from that young heart that stands up here on a Wednesday night and just passionately pours out his heart to Jesus. Some of the best hospitality may be nothing more than a ham sandwich where love is. You see, we look at the gift. God looks at the heart. And so when we think about this idea of bringing the best, we'll see what that means as we kind of expand this lesson a little bit more. Secondly, as we think about this lesson, God saw what no one else saw. God saw faith and trust. Now, again, I want you to notice as you look in Mark 12, notice how this story ends once again in verse 44. 44 says, For they all put in the, out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now, we would stop and say, Time out, lady. This does not make financial sense. Uh, Dave Ramsey would have a conversation with you. Um, you need a budget a little better here. If you have nothing else, all you have to live on, how are you going to live after this? How are you going to get by? How are you going to have supper? How are you going to do anything? And all of this comes back to, I think, she trusted the Lord. The psalmist would say in Psalms 46 and verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the uh, mountains quake with swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God somehow is going to provide. When Abraham went to offer Isaac up and there was no lamb, God provided. When Noah was in that ark, God provided. When Israel was in their wilderness, God provided. When, when Judah was in Babylon, God provided. If I give all that I have, how can I live? God provides. Her trust was in God who owned her heart. We sing this hymn, God will take care of you. Do we believe that? In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says, We walk by faith and not by sight. She put the Lord before self. Now, understand, she did not spend her money buying a new chariot. She had not been on an exotic vacation. She had not gotten a new wardrobe. 
She had not gotten a big screen TV. She had what she had, and she put it in the temple treasury. She put the Lord before her own needs. Now again, don't fix just on money. Go beyond that. I think about that person that worked all night last night. And man, are they tired. And they had to have industrial toothpicks to keep their eyelids open. And on a cold morning, all they're thinking about is a warm, warm bed. But they've assembled this morning because they love the Lord. They put the Lord first before all things. I think about that person who after services, they're hungry and they want to go get something to eat. But someone says, can we talk? And they take them to a classroom. And they don't hurry it up. Come on, get to your point. Let's, okay, here's the answer. Here's the verse. Let's go. He lets them talk. And he lets them talk. And he lets them talk. However long it takes. Because of faith. I think of someone who's looking forward to sleeping in on a Saturday morning. But he knows a neighbor or one of our older members needs a driveway shoveled. Or someone's moving and they need some boxes lifted. And as tired and as looking forward to sleeping in as he wants to on Saturday morning, he's going to get out of that bed, and he does that. Why does that person do that? Because they put the Lord before self, because they put the Lord before their own needs. How easy this widow might have thought, I need this money more than the temple does. How am I going to get by if I give this all? But she trusted the Lord. Then our third simple point this morning, as we bring it back to our theme, Bringing the best isn't about the size of the gift, the greatness of your ability, but the largeness of your heart. That's what we're trying to emphasize. It's the largeness of your heart. Here's this unknown woman, and what she gave will really make no difference in the temple. But she gave all that she had, and God recognized that. Got your Bible. Let's look at two places in the book of Matthew, if you will. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. And we see, again, two just simple stories of this incredible, incredible type of faith. Matthew chapter 8, begin verse 5. It says, when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and treated him. Now, stop right there for a moment. A centurion would be a soldier, most likely a Gentile. So he comes to Jesus, saying, verse 6, Sir, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering great pains. He said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not qualified for you or worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't have to see him. You don't have to do a medical assessment of him. You don't have to see why does he have paralysis. You do not have to see what caused the paralysis. You do not have to see whether we need therapy or not. You don't need any of that, Jesus. Just say the word. In the beginning, God created, God said, let there be. He said the word, and the word came about. Just say the word. As the story goes on here, Sir answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too, verse 9, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes. He says, and, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. You might circle that word. It simply means, wow. Now, you and I sometimes get a lot of wow factors. Somebody pulls up with a big old expensive car, we say, wow, look at that. 
Someone does something great in sports. We say, wow, look at that. Jesus very little said wow in our Bibles. Here's a time when he marveled and said to those who are following him, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. What did this person do? He just said, Jesus, I believe. I believe you can do anything. I believe. In your Bible, turn with me just a little bit later to Matthew 15. Again, just another story of incredible faith. Matthew chapter 15, and let's begin verse 21. Matthew 15, and begin verse 21. And here it says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman, again a Gentile, came out from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her word. His disciples came to him and kept asking him, Send her away, for she is shouting out after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. And so when we think about this woman who gave the small amount of money, we're talking about a faith that endures through time and obstacles. We're talking about a faith that looks to the Lord first. And we're talking about a faith that does exactly what the Lord says it can be. There she is in the temple. And how easy she could have stayed home, but she came. How easy she could have said, you know what, I'm going to save up so i got a little bit more money to give because what I have is nothing. I'm just giving pennies. It's worthless. But she gave what she had. She could have hid behind the excuse of a hard life, being a widow, and things just aren't turning out right for her. But she didn't do that. She came and she gave the best that she had. And although everyone else may think she was unimportant, unknown, insignificant, and ignored, she was honored and praised by her God. And so as we think about this little bitty story about someone with a great big heart, it brings us back to you and I. You might say, well, Roger, I don't have much. Neither did she. You might say, I'm not the best. Neither was she. You might say, well, there's so many others who are more talented and can do so much more than I can. So she could have said that. But she did what she could do, and that's significant. A while back, a sports interviewer interviewed Michael Jordan, great Chicago Bull player, and asked him the Chicago Bulls that he played on. If they were to play Golden State today, Golden State's won three national championships, would the Bulls beat Golden State if they played? Jordan kind of thought for a little bit, reflected, he said, it would be close, but we would win. And the interviewer said, well, why would it be close? And Jordan says, well, because we're all in our 60s today. The idea simply is never, never stop giving. And so as we continue our series and continue our theme and continue laying layers out about what it means to give the best, 
I don't want you just to be hiding under the excuse, well, you know, I, I, I'm not much. I don't do anything here publicly. I can't, I can't, I don't have much. I can't do much. I'm just, I'm nobody. And here we have a story of a nobody. And the God of heaven says, stop. I want you to write this down, Mark. I want you to write this down, Luke. I don't want eternity to forget this story. Because here was a whole bunch of people giving a whole bunch of money. But what she gave came straight from faith, straight from the heart. And when you start thinking about that concept, that will direct you as how you serve God. No, maybe you can't sing in tune, but you know what? You love Jesus, you're going to sing every, anyway. Maybe you can't teach a class. I'm going to come and be prepared and participate the best I can. Maybe I can't cook, but I can go buy somebody some food and kind of take it to them. Maybe I can't do this, but I can do this. You see, it's so easy to hide behind what I cannot do. That woman was a widow. She didn't have anything. Everyone in this building has more money than that woman did. All she had, she gave. How was she going to live? She trusted God. How was she going to get by tomorrow? She trusted God. Some of you may have medical appointments coming up. Some of you may have some trials coming up. Some of you may be going through storms right now. How am I going to get through this? I'm going to trust God. He always gets me through that. Bringing the best is not about the gift. It's about the heart. And that's what we see in a simple story. So more if we can help you in any way. We want to do that. We want you to see the significance of this. If everyone simply said, I'm going to do my best, whatever it is, what a difference that would make in your life and your walk with Jesus. If you're subject, why don't you come as we stand, as we sing.